Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Nile Nine podcast. We are back after our week break. Um, it is Niall and Andrea here. How are you doing, Andrea? Hey, I'm good. Good. I'm it, good. Like a week off is like a, a long time. It feels. It feels um, so rested. It was. It was a necessary break. Yeah. This is my full time job. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> this just, is. This is all I do. Andrea's has been waiting upstairs yeah. <laughs> to, to be well enough to do it. Um, but yes. So what are we going to talk about on this podcast this week? We are going to talk about um, the new national album. I am easy to find, which came out last Friday. Lots to discuss around that. Um, we will be reviewing new tracks from actually a lot of albums, really. Mm. Uh, Mac DeMarco's new one, uh, Slow Tie, A.A. Bondi and Tyler, the Creator. All new albums that came out in the last week as well. And uh, we'll also be... Just doing our customary for the last time, discussing oh. Game of Thrones and how it all ended up and what we think of it. At the very end, we'll give you his warning. At the very end, yeah. After the songs of the week, we'll be discussing that. So, uh, yeah, hold tight for that one if you're interested in hearing our thoughts, like everyone else's thoughts on, on Game of Thrones. We've Not many people them. share their thoughts. No, no about one's this been show. talking about it. I, I saw the Waterford Whispers actually, uh, which was very funny. Uh, they do like a recap thing. Okay. And it's like a jokey one. Um, it, it It is actually a recap, but it's like. There's stuff in it like, uh, John, now a man returning from a drug field session on a Sunday morning <laughs> and saying like, um, uh, Daenerys pushed out the old political promises, rural broadband for the seven kingdoms, stuff like that. Um, anyway, maybe they're I'll great. I discuss like that later. Um, so we're going to, yeah, well, what was that? What, what, why weren't we on last week? Well, one of the reasons why we weren't on last week is because I was at It Takes a Village Festival. You were. I kicked off my festival, um, summer festival account with It Takes a Village in Trabalgan in East Cork. And how was it? Well, it was so good. I couldn't do the podcast last week, basically. Mm -hmm. I know that was part of it. But um, I think, you know, when you start to go uh, like go to festivals on a Friday evening and you come back on a Monday afternoon, you spend the rest of the week trying to catch up with, with what's going on and... 
I was no way prepared or ready to do a podcast um, to my best of my abilities. Sure, so, sure. but that's kind of a um, that's a, a sign that I had a good time. I think so. I festival. think that's why businesses tend to slow down in the summer because people are back to work Tuesday to Friday and they're just still dead. Yeah, like I'm away know? the next three weekends. Yeah, and. Um, it's going to affect everything I'm doing. It will. It will. <laughs> my my ability to make a living. Yeah. Uh, although some of that is making a living, but not all of it. But yeah. Anyway, Texas Village. It was a fantastic festival. It was the second time that they did the festival. It. If you don't know about it, it happens in Trabalgan. Trabalgan is a holiday home um, setup. So you basically drive into the reception. They give you your wristbands. Uh, they tell you what number of house to go to, and you go there and you stay with your friends and. Uh, you literally drive up to your gaff and uh, bring your stuff in. And then Lovely. everything at the festival in terms of music is covered. There's like a central area. It's kind of like this family. Um, yeah, it's a ha- family holly- holiday village. I think I went there as a kid. You probably did. Yeah, I think I did. Um, so there's a big pool. Went for a nice swim on Lovely. the Sunday. And they kind of like bungalow houses. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I went, was definitely there when yeah. I was a kid. I went down the slide, you know, stuff like that. I did that too. Played some crazy golf on Sunday as well. Missed missed the go-karts and the archery and stuff like that. But sure, you know, you can't do it all. There's always next year. Um, But we were there for music primarily. And I really enjoyed what was on. Um, Because it was, the setup is kind of very easy. It's just this really relaxed, like, place to be. There's a central outside area that's covered. They spent two million euro on a roof. So, you know. um, Wimbledon. (laughs) It was great. Um, So the first thing i saw on friday i think was a mac who played outside there uh the boom were down as well so both a mac and the boom played on friday night really really good i was actually on friday as well i had a really good time although um slightly cut short but uh sure these things happen when you're mm-hmm. playing last sometimes but uh i had a great time it was brilliant and uh i had a nice uh one of the guys from happy alone was like it was like he was like enthusing about the about uh, my set, which was really lovely. But he was just like, it was like all the best tunes you've never heard. I was like, yeah, yeah that's, that's a really a, good that's one. That's a good one. Um, I had a great time. Um, the other thing about the festival is that you, after the main event is over, you kind of end up going to all, all the other people's houses because everyone's staying in houses, mm. and it's very easy to do that. So you end up going back to the gaffs afterwards, too. and you get to sleep in a bed. Sleep in a which bed, is yeah. Huge. Um, it's it's a, it's a big deal, yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed Friday a lot. Um, Saturday there was the likes of I think it was I'm getting con- my dates confused because it was nearly a week ago um, mm. over a week ago now but um, I had the, there was just really nice places to hang out there was really good food as well that My Goodness stall mm-hmm. that's a, from uh, Cork do amazing like uh, vegan uh, food just like really good fishy tacos um, really yep. nice um there was it was a great it was a great little festival it was a nice like podcast thing i saw kevin barry and lisa mcinerney do a talk about um and give and do some readings saw the point of everything's um cork based talk i was uh, a bit distracted to be honest to be listening to owen's chat about cork city mm-hmm. and music uh, but it was nice because it was like greg dowling from um fish go deep was on the panel and uh yeah, it was interesting. And just the music and the, the lovely people. I met some lovely people that I hadn't seen for a while and um, hung out. Saturday was was, was good fun. Um, I saw like Koch, Fahi and Lols and uh, L from the Gash 
collective well l did a set first really enjoyed that silverbacks were playing it was um the likes of giles peterson was on stuff like that melty brains mm -hmm. melting everyone's heads and uh yeah it was great and then saturday <laughs> I, I remember the last thing i remember is being in in our friend ruth's house and uh setting off fireworks <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> we let off fireworks at some point um which was uh that yeah, was it was all in the spirit of the vessel. It sounds it really wholesome. Good. Sounds like yeah. a nice wholesome weekend. Uh, it was lovely. And then Sunday I got up. Uh, well, <laughs> I'll be honest, I had to be woken up for the boat party where I was DJing. But it was so lovely. They did a took a boat around Cork Harbour and myself and Aidan Kelly and Arvine uh, DJed and Aidan was great. He was just doing the MC and kind of thing. It was just a nice vibe, but it was the weather was gorgeous the whole weekend. Mm. So it was brilliant for that. Um and then Sunday there was the big gay disco with Eddie K in the arcade and they had like things that I missed, like the pool party where the Lord of Strut led a, um, a like synchronized swimming and all this kind of stuff. It was lovely. like really lovely. I had a great time at a talk. Kojak again, uh, another brilliant set from him um, and just had a fantastic time. Hello, it's Niall from the future, here to correct myself. I forgot, uh, it would be remiss of me not to mention the Dundalk band TPM, who are clearly like my standout of the whole entire It Takes a Village weekend. I saw them twice, they're amazing. Taxpayers' money, songs about curry, songs about the dole, songs about RT, um, they were absolutely brilliant. And they also have a trad band called Merry Wallopers. I really, really enjoyed TPM at It Takes Village, so I just wanted to add that in there since I forgot somehow to mention them. All I'll say is, eat that curry, drink that curry, roll it up and then smoke that curry. I would recommend it very highly it is a great little festival and do you know what it's what's lovely about it is it's a, it's a nice festival to start your year with because it makes everything so easy you just have to you're eased into yeah you just have time. to rock up and be like this is actually lovely and i don't have to worry about carrying anything or anything like that and just mm -hmm. hang around and uh, eat nice food and uh have the chats and uh yeah it was lovely it was lovely. a great festival yeah I didn't do Great anything time. nearly as exciting as that. I did go to Nina Hines in Lost Lane oh, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Friday night, uh, which was a really nice gig. It was, you know, kind of She's intimate. Fantastic. It's the first gig I've seen at Lost Lane. Um, I obviously caught yourself doing a set there, but it was the first time I've seen it as a kind of a gig venue. I think it worked really well. It was just kind of a few tables at the front and then people standing at the back. Um, sounded really great. Um, I think the shape of that room kind of suits those more focused kind of a little bit quieter sets yeah. um but yeah re really really lovely gig uh great support from my my pal animal party and then she jumped in for some um harp backing she and had a lot vocal. of guests on stage right she did yeah yeah Natalia um, Flaherty was up there as well yeah Maya uh, Sophia as yeah. well um and then she invited uh, anybody who was like her a fan of hers or knew the words for like her last big song up and it was yeah it was a really nice kind of um emotive gentle Nina's experience great. uh one of probably the first um irish artists i was really uh enamored with yeah back in the day when i first like not even i wasn't even living in dublin at the time i actually mm -hmm. went up to her uh when she released her album on a pre and asked her for an autograph yeah <laughs> yeah years ago yeah yeah but I, she was she was really great and you know she just commanded the stage so well but in a way where she was very interested in interacting with the crowd she was having little 
kind of jokey conversations with people that were sitting up the front and stuff. And yeah. she had like a megaphone. It was great. Really, really nice. Just gentle gig. It's lovely. Lovely. I was actually planning on making it in, but um, my my wife Eva has been very sick the last two yes. weeks. She's got Get well soon. She's got yeah. pneumonia, <laughs> so she's currently at home resting. I actually confiscated her phone today, Good. so she wouldn't be able to do anything. Um, so that sounds a bit like misery or something. But she did ask me to do it. Yes. <laughs> no, she needs she rest. Needs to get better. She needs rest. She's still doing sing-alongs in between everything else and trying to rest. So I was like, she went to the doctor yesterday, and the doctor gave her a sick note for herself. I saw that yeah, on her like, on her Instagram. Boss. Yeah, you're the boss, so you Absolutely. have to listen to this. So yeah, uh, yeah. So take a break. She's get getting, well soon. She's fun. getting well soon at home. Um, but we are also going to see a gig tonight as well, aren't we? I'd completely forgot. It's <laughs> like, are we? Yes, we are. We are. We're going I to. So. We're going to Big Thief in Vicker Street, which yes. I'm really, really excited. Whose album we reviewed last week? Last time. Last, on last time episode, yeah, on the podcast. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very much recommend that, and I've been very much enjoying it. Yes, really uh, I think it was kind of a big album this year in the kind of indie circles, at least, um, and. If anybody hasn't checked it out yet, they definitely should. It's called UFOF. I'm interested in seeing what they're like live because mm. it, they seem to have a lot of uh, dear fans. Um, Who especially love their live sets. Yeah, so yeah. I'm interested to see how the album translates because it's very, as we discussed, it's very kind of um, otherworldly, kind yeah. of has its own pace kind of thing. So I'll be interested to see what that's like because apparently they're playing a lot of them live as well over the last yeah. couple of years, those songs. So that's us in the future. I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, mm. next week on the podcast. Um, but what about slightly in the past? Slightly in the past? <laughs> like last Friday. Last Friday. What's happening? What was happening last Friday? What do you remember? The National to? came out. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, what did I do last Friday? <laughs> I almost made the Nina Hines gig is what I did. Yeah. Almost made it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, the National's brand new album, I Am Easy to Find, uh, their eighth album, which came out about six, uh, 16 months, 17 months after um, their last one, Sleep Well Beast. Kind of a surprise release in a way because it mm. came out so suddenly. But we'll talk about that and more. Here's a flavor of uh, one of the songs that came out first from the album I Am Easy to Find from the National. This is You Had Your Soul with You. I have owed it to my heart Every word I've said You have no idea How hard I died when you left If I yield to my trances Will I get up close again? That is You Had Your Soul With You from the Nationals' new album, I Am Easy To Find. And I am really interested in this album. I feel like this is a band who have um, clearly, you know, are known for their um, considered albums of indie rock. And here they're trying something very different. So a bit more background maybe about it. Um, They're from Cincinnati originally, as you may know, um, based in New York most of the time. But the last four or five years, they've been expanding a lot of what they've been doing. Um, Aaron and Bryce Desner are kind of the creative um, instrumental um, 
musical minds behind the band, um, two brothers, and they, in the last few years, they have been scoring films like The Revenant, and um, putting on unique festivals, People in Berlin, Sounds from a Safe Harbour in Cork, which has just announced its first uh, names, including Feist and Damien Rice for this year in September. I'll also, sidebar, I'll also be doing a music trail at it this year, uh, once again. And uh, Haven in Copenhagen is another one. They also produced artists such as Lisa Hannigan and This Is The Kit, uh, have written some neoclassical compositions and music for ballet. So that's the kind of things they've been doing. And in the meantime, um, the other members of the band, including Matt Berger, who's known for his kind of drawl, his um, drawl lyrics as well. Um, they have been, they were planning a vacation, apparently, after the release of Sleep Well Beast in September uh, 2017. And they were contacted by director Mike Mills, who you might know. Um, he did a lot of stuff back in the day in terms of music video stuff. Mm. He did a lot of uh, air videos and things like that. Um, but most recently, a film director. And uh, have you seen any of his movies? What does he do? I feel like 20th I have. Century Women, I think it was called. And most recently, I haven't seen any of his movies. But he, <laughs> this is what he did. He actually emailed the band um, the week of the release of Sleep Well Bees, which I think is bad timing, if you ask me. But mm. I guess they were like, hey, they became intrigued. He was like offering to do some work with them. And instead of making a music video, what actually happened was uh, Matt Berger sent him a Dropbox full of um, the demos that they had. And it kind of morphed into this, let's make a movie based on your music. Let's make, make a short film based on your music. Um, um, at the same time, Mike Mills ended up co-producing the album completely. Yeah. So a, a very different thing. Usually Bryce and Aaron Desner would have uh, produced the, their albums, uh, the band's albums themselves. So they have a new creative voice in this um, album. And basically the short film was made in tandem with producing this 68-minute record in its entirety. Um one of the things that Aaron Desner, I interviewed them, uh, Aaron and Bryce last year when they were here for the National uh, Stadium gigs, uh, not the National Stadium, the Donnybrook Stadium gigs. Mm. And uh, one of the things he said was, uh, it's actually not that hard to play guitar in a band. <laughs> so that Speak kind of for yourself. explains why uh, they've been doing all these other creative things in the last couple of years. So bringing in somebody like Mike Mills is a challenge for them uh, creatively to do that. But interestingly, they had made this um, short film um, and looking at the first cut of it, they realized that um, there was something missing. And I guess it, the context for a lot of this is that the these festivals that they put on are about these openness and collaboration between various groups of people. A lot of the same kind of people are involved. Uh, some of the voices that we hear on this album are involved in the, in the in the record and in people as well. So people most recently happened in Berlin, like the likes of Russ and Gano family and Boys Noise and Lisa Hannigan and people like that were over making music and Macaulay Culkin even was over like making music and and collaborating in a kind of open form. So there was no single timetable at this festival and a lot of ideas came out of it. So that kind of openness uh, translated onto Sleep Well Beast in a in a way that was like they had loads of collaborators mm. um, contributing to the album. In this case, what actually happened was um, there was a lot of there's a lot of female voices on this album in terms of singing main vocals and not just backing vocals. The likes of um, Lisa Hannigan is on it. Kate Stables of This Is the Kiss, Sharon Van Etten, Mina Tindall, Gail Ann Dorsey, who was in David Bowie's band. And as well as that, like the other thing is that Matt Berger and his wife have been co-writing lyrics together for the last uh, couple of years as well. So that adds a different counterpoint to uh, Matt Berger's usual existential presence. Um, mm. 
But there was a quote from him about this when they were watching the short film on the way back. Uh, yes, there was a lot of women singing on this, but that wasn't because, oh, let's have more women's voices. It was more, let's have more of a fabric of people's identities. It would have been better to have other male singers, but my ego wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> but no, he also went on to say, when we saw a rough cut version of the film, it created a weird relationship between my voice and the image of the actress Alicia Vikander, who's in it. It wasn't the right balance. There was no casting like this is the voice of the mother in the film. It was more to create a fabric of identity or sp a woven spider web and the voices are meant to be the threads of that web. So in reaction to the first cut of the film they made, they decided to change a lot of the music and bring in new voices. So... I have written, I have talked for a few minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that was a very good introduction to both the national and this album, and I think it needs it. Yeah, because it's a it's a long album. It's this album requires minutes. context, I think. Yeah, it's sixty eight um, minutes. Um, it's there's a lot going on. It's mm. the longest national album that they've released so far, and it was recorded all over the world in parts of it in Dublin as well, apparently as well as Paris, Berlin, and in Hudson Valley in New York, where most of it was recorded. Um, so. Right. What do you think of this album? How is it working for you a week after release? So I was really taken by Sleep Well Beast um, when that came out and really kind of, I just found a, a, a new kind of refreshed love for The National. I hadn't listened to them in a while before that album came out. And that album has stuck with me since 2016. So this coming out kind of hot off the heels of it has been you know, kind of a bit overwhelming. And I feel like the album itself can be at times overwhelming, but in that, in that way that the national have where you're overwhelmed because you're just feeling an all, a lot <laughs> all at once. Um, it works really, really well for me. I think especially because I was a bit, um, I was a bit nervous going into it. I think when, when I heard and read about you know, oh, we've got all these female vocalists in it. I was sort of expecting conversational lyrics where, um, where he would have, you know, one side of the, of the perspective and then just a woman would give the female perspective. But I don't think that happened at all here. I think, I think it definitely works in that kind of spider web way where the existentialism is still there but it's just heightened by different experiences. I think especially the the moments with the Brooklyn Youth Chorus are particularly Yeah, they, they probably stand out the most in terms yeah. of the album, in terms of contrast for their previous work. And like you said, uh, I was a big, big fan of Sleep Well Beast. I, mm. think, it, I think that is my favourite national album. Um, I think it's mine too. And what I liked about it was here's a band who not that they were going through the motions, but they could easily be, if you weren't into what Matt Berenger was, was doing and you weren't into the kind of gloomy rock thing, you probably weren't going to get much reward from listening to them. Um, it does strike a chord with a lot of people, but it doesn't, there's a lot of other people who wouldn't be go near it. Mm. And I think Sleep Well Beast was that kind of, not quite a Radiohead moment in terms of like the acceleration of change, but uh, it had new, textures and new perspectives that they mm. brought in informed by that collaborative uh, efforts and like the way that album worked apparently is they had all the songs recorded they invited people into the studio they actually left the studio and just let them add stuff to it and see yeah. how it worked um where this one like we said the process is very different it seems to be very much a push and pull between 
what's happening with a, a film that they made with Mike Mills and mm. the music. So it's responding to itself. Um, which and makes... I, I love that kind of idea that even now, after all of the hundreds and hundreds of years of music that we have in our history, that there's still new ways to collaborate and record. And this is a band who are very much at the forefront of finding those new ways and kind of championing a communal, um, like the communal aspect of music, which to me is like, I always find the sense of community around music the most interesting thing about it, like even more so than the music itself. And especially an album like this, where you can hear that sense of community in like embedded into the music, into the tones itself. It's, it makes for a very, very interesting listen. Um, and it still maintains that sort of storytelling and narrative um, voice that they are so well known for. Like, and it still has those heart-rending moments where there's a, a, a very simple line just thrown thrown away, and it can just completely stab you in the heart. There's there's still all of these moments, but there's also just this tapestry of perspective and emotion and then just I think musically it's ornate and delicate and elegant and all of the things that I think are now the logical next step after Sleep Well Beast which was as you said a much gloomier album than this this is much brighter and the tones are much more kind of cinematic um mm. which makes sense because of the the <laughs> totally, yeah. the, the short film but i think and it's just those those different perspectives and uh, different voices in that bring that uh, it seems to offer like to like an optimism or yeah. something it's even, a very expansive kind of outlook it has mm. even though yeah like some of the lyrics in there are very much like exactly what you expect from uh, matt berger so i used mm. to fall asleep to you talking to me i don't listen to anything now nothing to do with us i'm just so tired of thinking about everything yeah <laughs> i mean like, all right yeah, this is That's, a national song. <laughs> if, if you were had a, a national uh, lyric generator, that might be actually show up. Uh, I'm not afraid of being alone. Um, then, I'd love if someone did. Do you ever see those things on Twitter where it's like, I fed, um, I fed a bot uh, all of the episodes of Black Mirror, and it wrote a Black Mirror episode. Right. I wish you could do that with albums and <laughs> just get it to write a national album. <laughs> But it wouldn't be this anyway, because no, um, this is different and new and exciting and interesting. Yeah, you mentioned the Brooklyn Youth Chorus. They uh, feature on at least three tracks, so kind of very choral arrangements that mm. add a whole new dimension to this work and the kind of work that the National do. There's three songs in particular, Dust Swirls and Strange Light, Her Father in the Pool and Underwater, very much like a different style for the national and it really feels like a very rich tapestry in that regard mm. um i think my favorite song from the album at the moment is called uh, not in kansas mm -hmm. and it's six and a half minutes long and it's kind of conversational and confessional and well let's listen to a bit of that actually now to give you a context to it um there's one lyrics about rem and the strokes and annette benning and being back in ohio and feeling weird about alt-right stuff and Walk and blame this on the 
water dripping off the spear If the sadness of life makes you tired And the failures of man make you sigh You can look to the time soon very Sufyan um, kind of style there to that song that um, who they are close friends with as well but um, and they've worked with on Dark as the Night but yeah de- definitely like that song is a totally different structure mm. to a regular national song and it brings in those kind of new textures as well. So also, apparently that song um, when they sent it um, off to be kind of played around with um there were 17 stanzas cut out of the song wow, okay. that did that did exist before <laughs> right. um they didn't and record them then no no um it was just kind of the the, the lyrics were sent to um mike mills, mike mills um yeah. and he was like yeah yeah this is great but also we're just going to take away like 17 of these and <laughs> and then we've got ourselves a song so i love a good editor yes <laughs> essential I think lyrically most of this album is concerned with the kind of uh, dynamics of a, a adult married relationship, really. There's a song called Oblivion with Mina Tindall singing. It's the way you say yes when I ask you to marry me, you don't know what you are doing. Do you think you can carry me over this threshold over and over again into oblivion? It's that kind of like, and you know, it's something that they are very mature teams to be dealing with. It's something that Matt Berenger is very good at, but the fact that it's one man's perspective mostly mm. on previous albums, it is very, it can feel very one-sided and it's like, this is my perspective. Mm. This is my truth. Tell me yours. This is my truth, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I like the fact that you've got um, a female perspective certainly the fact that his wife also writes lyrics as well there's a like I think that's crucial yeah like and that's that's such a big change and I think that adds so much to the the varied perspectives on this it's not just like we're gonna get some female vocalists in to sing what I think is a female perspective or the female perspective yeah. it's it's actual collaboration with the person that you're singing about, which is, I imagine, quite dangerous. Um, you, you might necessarily want to hear everything that comes out, but that obviously makes for really, really interesting music. Yeah. Um, and I think they've he, they've always been very good at that kind of um, very honest, um, mm. you know, it, like marriage isn't just this like rosy thing that happens all the time. You have to work at it. And like, sometimes you feel bad and sometimes... No. You know, there's a lot of push and pull in that relationship of like. That's maybe, not what I've maybe. heard. Maybe <laughs> it's, it's gonna be great. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe sometimes you feel good and the other person doesn't, and and mm. vice versa. And there's a lot of that, like you know, reminding each other why you're you're with each other. You yeah, know, that kind of thing. and so. I think it's it's funny with the national because when when I went to their Donnybrook show last year, like those kind of themes definitely seem to be age appropriate for the fans that were around me I was definitely like one of the younger people yeah. that that was there um, and I'm no spring chicken um, <laughs> but it was a lot of kind of even just looking around I saw a lot of husbands and wives there together and um, I overheard somebody 
saying that there was, uh, what, I can't remember what the song was, but um, a man saying to, to his friend, oh, I sing this to my one-year-old. And I was like, yeah, this is such a, a community of people who found a band maybe when they were in college and then they they meet up and they get together. They don't have, always have the time to meet up for drinks all the time because they've got kids and they're married and stuff. They meet up and they go to the national gig. They feel something yeah. and they're hearing themes that actually apply to their lives. That's you know? usually disparagingly called dad rock. <laughs> yes, but definitely not dad rock. Definitely not. Um, I Well, may, maybe da- this is rock. this the new dad rock. It's like maybe. soft dad. like <laughs> Soft caring dad. Soft caring dad who sings. Uh, uh, who likes to uh, read and uh, listen to music about the human condition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are the dads I'm here for. Not the Bon Jovi dads. <laughs> I don't oh. want them anymore we're more than halfway there yeah um, and there's uh, some really really fantastic uh vocals on this as well mm. the we mentioned the uh gail um what's her name sorry uh gail ann dorsey who's in david bowie's band yes a very beautiful stri- striking bass player but i didn't realize she was an amazing singer as well absolutely and stunning then, vocal of course uh, lisa hannigan sings um a great song called so far so fast and really is the dominant voice on that song yeah she well. she played at that she sang with them at that gig um last year and she was one of the highlights. Yeah, she came really out wonderful. during um, in at Cork uh, at Sounds from a Safe Harbour and mm-hmm. played and has uh, done a couple of things with them. Obviously, as we mentioned, has been produced by one of the Desners as well. So, uh, but very nice to hear somebody like that who's mm-hmm. very talented get a center stage and yeah. be supported by Berninger vocally mm-hmm. and not the other way. I around. think he knows. He's like, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she's fantastic on this album. Like, and, and it makes sense that she would slot in so easily. Her music isn't, you know, dissimilar. She in, has the kind of voice that just works on almost anything. Yeah, you know? and, and she's a great one for popping up at gigs when you're not expecting her. And she yeah. just comes out and you're like, oh, there she is. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's great. Yeah, really commanding voice and yeah. work, works well with the kind of the textures of this. Yeah, that's why she, I remember watching uh, that TV show Fargo a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. which is brilliant uh, and she was on one of the uh, episodes and I was like that's Lisa Hannigan's voice was she? yeah oh. yeah yeah and not like uh, physically in it, but like you know she gets a lot of sync work okay. where her music is featured and stuff like that and she did a cover uh, for Fargo can't remember what it was oh there you go but I'm really enjoying this it is um, a dense album I think if I'm to give some criticism about it yeah let's do that let's give some criticism yeah I think my main criticism is that there's a few songs in here that sound like national by numbers even Mm. though there's some slight differences in the way that they are formed like there's a bit more of those electronic skittering drums and stuff like that but the song Rylan, which is the one that was uh, obviously pushed out into streaming services mm. as the key track on Friday, is not a great song for me. So they've been playing that for a few years. I think they've been playing that since 2010 at live shows and Apparently stuff. So, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of a bit of a fan favorite. Um, I don't know how well it slots into this. Yeah, there's a few of those songs, not many of them now, but yeah. even even You Had Your Soul With You is very much like, mm. that's exactly what you expect the national to sound like. Yeah, that, that was that the first single that they yeah. put out from this? That I think that makes sense yeah. um, as the single. But for me, if, yeah, criticism wise, I think sometimes, not always now, but sometimes the kind of immediacy of the lyrics can be lost in that kind of flurry of instrumentation and you might you might not 
it, it might not hit you as much as it might have if it was toned down a little bit. Yeah. When you have that kind of dense instrumentation and a long running time and then this kind of uh, a lot going on in this one song, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to hear this right now. Yeah, or or you might miss something as well, which I mean, you know, there's repeat listens and everything, but um, the, it, it might just that kind, that kind of flurry of instruments and tones and textures dynamically I don't think it really lets up and I think it might it might have done with a couple of instrumental lulls throughout like it it, it could have done with some more well there are a couple of those for sure there, there I are like, but I, I don't know how I don't know how like oh, over the 64 minutes 68, 68, 68 minutes like over 60 minutes anyway. yeah it, it I I don't know if maybe they weren't like well placed enough for me um but dynamically I kind of I find myself when I go to listen to this album that I, I do have to invest the 68 minutes. There's not really a point at which I can dip back out. There's not really many national albums that you will just stick on a couple yeah. of tracks. Yeah. And yeah. they're really uh, digging into that territory where it's yeah. not like, we write songs, we write uh, song, the, singles. They're an album's album, band for, for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that kind of there's those new textures and those voices bring in that kind of unhurried just because it's so long mm. like a, not in kansas is a good example of it um, yeah. of a that's song a wonderful song. just could go on and on yeah. and it may do yeah live as well. and there are 17 more stanzas so <laughs> yeah. it might for the encore yeah <laughs> so that is the nationals album i am easy to find very much recommended and um, we'll finish this little segment with uh, one of your favorite tracks uh light years oh yes a very song. simple song yep. relatively speaking for straightforward for yeah lovely melody uh, very evocative I saw this your mother last weekend in the park it could have been anybody it was after dark Everyone was lighting up in the shadows Alone, you could have been right there next to me And I'd have never known Oh, the glory of it all Was lost on me Till I saw how hard it'd be to reach you and I would always be light years, light years away from you. Light years, light years away from you. Light years, light years away. That is the national album is called I Am Easy to Find. Uh, that is our album of the week this week. Now, time to move on to our songs of the week. I guess we're cheating a little bit this week. Well, I am cheating a little bit this week because I picked all the songs. Basically, <laughs> did I give you any choice? No, I, no. I didn't give. I didn't give Andrea any choice at all no. uh, because I've been listening to. We didn't suggest anything else. Sorry. No. Yeah. No. To be fair, now you were like, "Do you want anything else?" And I was like, "These are fine." <laughs> okay. With that in mind, okay. Um, Here are four men. <laughs> yeah. We were always like, "Should we just find?" I couldn't find anything else. Of I, interest know, I, I know. I know. It's fine. About. It's fine. I was going to talk about that Charlie XCX uh, Lizzo track, but I'm just so disappointed by it. I don't Me want, too. I don't want to talk about it. I so. don't want to talk about negative things. Although I'm going. I don't mind talking about negative things, but I just feel like uh, it's been out a week. I'm I'm done. I'm over yeah. it. Yeah. And we had to... a lot of Lizzo chats already. Yeah, that's true. So. That's true. Now we're talking about it. 
Yeah, so our what songs fir- have we got? <laughs> our first track is from a guy called A.A. Bondi. Uh, let's play it first. This is called Diamond School. Let the monkey have it here. Someone famous takes a shit. Oh, I swallow and I speak. That is A.A. Bondi, so this is an album that came out about two weeks ago. Uh, it is called Enderness. A.A. Bondi is his real name uh, as well. It is August Arthur Bondi, a good strong name. That's a great from name. From Alabama. Um, August Arthur from Alabama. Yeah, August Arthur. Um, and it is from his first album in eight years. Um, and a name that was vaguely familiar to me, um, but recommended by both uh, Donald and Luke here in 909 and... Uh, I'm really loving this. It's very much of that ilk. It's very atmospheric, a little bit downbeat, lyrically concerned with all of the bad things that are going on in the world. Mm. Um, uh, August's house burnt down the day after his album finished last year. Um, So this was what was left in the fire, basically, the album. Um, And it is absolutely fantastic. That is the opening track. It is called Diamond Skull. Uh, is he a new voice to you? He's a completely new voice to me. I thought this song was a cover and I thought so because it sounds, the melody in the verse sounds like Both Sides Now by Johnny Mitchell. And then I just got a bit of what I am is what I am or what you are or what <laughs> as well. I was like, oh, is this a wow. cover? But it's not. Um, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> it's definitely not a cover. It's it's lovely. It's really kind of, um, yeah, atmospheric and warm, um, but also just a bit sad as well. I, I like the guitar tone a lot in it as well. Yeah, his previous stuff was much more folky than this and then mm. bringing in much more kind of synthesizers and kind of off-kilter instrumentation in this. So yeah. it kind of works to that. Um, the lyrical content about uh, the world and the state of the world. Is the album like this? Does it sound like this? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very similar to this. Um, Okay. So I kind of wanted to play it just to recommend it. Yeah. If nothing else. Um, I think I've been enjoying it a lot. Um, Not for every occasion. (laughs) No. But no album should. Uh, But I really am enjoying it. A.A. Bondi, the album is called Enderness. That song is called Diamond Skull. Now, Tyler, the creator, uh, he released a album, a surprise album. Well, he announced it last week, and then he released it on Friday. This is from that. The album's called Eagle. Yeah, I'm brushing off, because this Parker is calm. You're my favorite garçon. Don't leave. Stay right here. Yeah, I want you right near. You invited me to breakfast. Why the fuck your ex here? Well, let's see if you round the God around this time next year.
so Igor is from Tyler the Creator. His new album, the follow up to Flower Boy. Anyone expecting uh, something similar might be disappointed. Anyone who was a big fan of his earlier work and the more texture stuff that he did after the first couple albums would maybe be more interested in this. It's got a very strange uh, sheen to the whole thing. It's very quite. It's a lot, a lot very lo-fi. Mm. Uh, Kanye is on it somewhere um, in a backing vocal capacity. And a lot of people thought that uh, Frank Ocean was on it, but I think it's just him uh, pitched up. Yeah, okay. So it's not it's not him at all. Um, it's not Frank. Frank is uh, remains to be. Who <laughs> knows what he's at? Drop the album. He was taking Coward. photos photos at the Met Ball. And he was looking, looking like a bouncer. Ah, uh, he uh, Frank. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so disappointing. Can we just? He was supposed to be dressed in a camp fashion. Yeah. He was dressed as a bouncer. Yeah, the theme is camp. Like he, I, lo- he looks like he didn't bother basically. Even uh, like he looks like he was. Wearing, well, he like, looks like he was going camping. Like I, he might have just like got I, it wrong. the way I dress when I was fifteen with yeah. one of those like jackets that go over your head and and a, like a zip. Yeah, it goes halfway down, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you've got a shirt and tie underneath because yeah. you're going to the map guy. Like I think he's wearing a good fleece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wasn't anyway, a fan at all. Yeah, but I do. I'm enjoying this Tyler album uh, for its own on its own merits. Like I said, it's very. Uh, it's kind of a a capsule of um, and an album the way it should be. It is. A bit of everything, um, a bit of that kind of lo-fi thing, a lot of synths and kind of grimy noise in it as well. Very much a mix between the kind of hip-hop style and the instrumentation style that he's been doing. Um, less confessional and less probably beautiful. Mm. Uh, Igor maybe is a suggestion, I don't know why it's called that, but maybe that's a suggestion about the kind of um, griminess of the whole thing. Mm. Um, and this song is the one that has grabbed me first, but uh, yet to listen to the album in any great way um, mm. but i'm enjoying what he's been doing with it uh, i'm just interested in him as well obviously he came out really on the last album and there's a few lyrics on on this about that as well which is just really positive as well yeah. you know really nice to be somebody be themselves and i talked about tyler before about this you know like his disposition of being this like bratty um Hellraiser mm. which has kind of been disappearing and he's been embracing a more artistic and creative side and I think that's just to be encouraged and yeah. uh, saw him live at Primavera last year it wasn't great but it was grand um, sure. but I'm enjoying the album that song is called A Boy Is A Gun are you familiar much with Tyler stuff? Yeah um, big fan of his music inspired by Illumination and Dr. Seuss the Grinch EP <laughs> <laughs> um, no I am I, I'm uh I have a lot of time for Tyler. I actually haven't gotten around to the album yet. Um, so this is the only song I've heard off it and big fan. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like what he's done with the beat. It's kind of, um, moody and a little bit dramatic as well. Um, the lyrics in it are a little bit kind of far away and metaphorical and that kind of thing. And you, you do kind of have to delve a little bit, but this, it made me want to go and listen to the album. So that's, that's something yeah okay well the album all dropped on friday all in one go you can listen to it i moment. love the cover art yeah that i re- really really big fan of that <laughs> that's his head and uh some blonde hair and a uh, pink backdrop that's the one yep yeah that's it looks good right on to another slightly problematic man it is mac demarco and oh, yeah. uh, here's a song from his album here comes the cowboy uh chosen album track for this one choo choo Come 
There's not really much else going on in that song, so we can leave it there. That is uh, Choo Choo by Mac DeMarco. I guess I wanted to pick this because like, I feel like I saw some unfair criticism about this song. Like in, like an artist can't <laughs> have a bit of fun on their own album. Sure. Like this is very much a like light funk like jam that they're just like having a bit of crack on. Yeah. Uh, on an album that generally speaking is pretty minimal and not much going on, but is remains quite a nice listen i think mm. my tomorrow is in a funny place because he has this like character almost that this big personality this like brat mm. who says questionable things and has done that in the past about various different things um and who you know likes to he's on the verge of being cancelled <laughs> like he is like generally in the like discourse the thing is like if you didn't know anything about that his music would not suggest that at all no so no maybe his 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 early albums have a kind of a brattiness like entwined in them but it also they also had a lot of experimentation and just sort of breaking the rules um in a in an artistic way and I, I think he's an interesting artist like taking taking away my kind of conflicted feelings about like I don't really know how to feel about him as a person this this song is like it's just a bit of fun it's it's on the album I don't know how well it works on the album but as just a as just a little what two and a half minute thing you know why not yeah it's, I don't I just like Mike DeMarco's uh, is his albums I put on in a context where I'm either like, it's kind of nice background noise. I'm yeah. Like, albums I really enjoy and the last three have been like that for me. And this one again, I was like, it's not as good as his last few records. But I, I do think that the song Nobody is, that's one of my songs of the year for sure. I'm, I really, really like that song. And I think it suggests a maturity in his songwriting that we've actually haven't seen yet. So and I was impressed by the album overall. I thought it was good. It was a new move for him. But yeah, um, I don't think it's a radical change from what he was doing. No. I think I don't think he'll have many radical changes. No, though. I think that's what he is. He makes like pretty nice lilting guitar jams. Yeah. And that's about it. And it's I, working for him. I don't really want anything else from him. No. I, I will say, though, live, he does manage to translate those very small songs into something quite large that mm. uh, somehow should not work at a festival like so primavera is a good example last year um seeing him there and been like or two years ago i'm like how are these like skeletal songs working so well mm -hmm. and i think it's like it's that magic of like small of songwriting and just like simple things that you can do that just make these songs work really well yeah um so yeah as an album on its own here comes the cowboy something i've been enjoying um in a small way, just like sticking it on, driving around the car kind of thing. I've been enjoying it in that capacity. Uh, Mike DeMarco is that kind of like album I listen to at home. Yes. Kind of relaxed music yeah. I'd listen to at home. Or like a sunny day sort yeah, of thing, just yeah. in the background. Yeah, for sure. So that is Mike DeMarco. And our last track this week is from a man from Northampton called Slow Thigh. He has a new track out from his album, Nothing Great About Britain, featuring Skepta. When and I sit in like the cemetery, flashback, slipping back, it was ketamine. Uh, now I'm feeling hot, school of life, one no course. You're a tourist, only go with the purest, it's been true. Glorious boss, phenomenal, phenomenal, put a hole in obstacle, yeah. Inglorious boss, phenomenal, phenomenal, abdominal, put a hole in obstacle, yeah. Inglorious boss, phenomenal, abdominal, put a hole in obstacle, yeah. Inglorious boss, phenomenal, abdominal, put a hole in obstacle, yeah. Inglorious boss, 
And my bank card I'm directing movies like Gaspar I drive the Wraith like it's NASCAR I love the look on their faces when they look in the That is Inglorious featuring Skepta from Slow Thigh Nothing great about Britain Didn't give him much uh, time, airtime on that one I gave a bit of Skepta instead But uh, I really like uh, Slow Thigh and his style uh, if you don't know much about him, I guess he's, so as I said, he's from Northampton, very much has that like whiny kind of uh, UK rap voice. Um, he's had a couple of great songs out in the last while. He, what I like about him, he has this very menacing gold teated smile that mm. he, he, he puts out there in this kind of like horror movie fashion almost. And, but he's one of the few artists in Britain singing about, um, Brexit and Britain and the state of Britain and he mm. has a nothing great about Britain uh, tattoo so he's not on board with with the, the great part of Britain in a lot of ways um, he's been known to perform in a coffin at his gigs and stuff like that he's quite intense he has a great song called Doorman uh, produced by Maura Massa which actually we mentioned it takes a village earlier on and the soft boy records lads they had a couple of parties in the houses uh, a house one of the houses was basically turned into a small uh, venue mm-hmm. and on the Sunday night um, the, the soft boy records uh, lads were DJing and they finished with Doorman which is kind of like a punky aggressive like banger yeah and it was a bit of a moshing going on it was a good crack it was a good crack um that was one of my favorite did you songs partake probably. in the mosh <laughs> i i walked in just as it was happening i was like great i love this song <laughs> it was great to hear um and he's uh, as the album overall uh it's good um nothing great uh, mm-hmm. but it is uh i think he is a new exciting talent um a lot of lyrics about you know growing up and being a being a bad child <laughs> sure. and his mother like looking after him and all that kind of stuff and uh uh yeah i really like his style i think live is where he's at mostly uh, a very intense performer and something that you kind of has a lot of you know it reminds me a little bit of like dizzy rascal in, in terms of his vocal delivery mm. uh but he's addressing multiculturalism and britain and being a drug dealer and the role of women in his life and being a british youth in the 21st century and there's not a lot of music in britain that is doing that really mm. so i think for that reason alone he's worth a listen and uh there are some good tracks on the album. I think the best of them have probably been released. There's a great track called Glorious, which has a nice monologue about going to see a football match and going to the wrong city with his uncle and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's really good. Um, so that is Slow Tie. Um, did you did you get a chance to listen to the album? Um, no, no. And I'm not that familiar with Slow Tie, but I, I like this track a lot. I like its kind of um, grimness. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's got a sense of humor about itself as well, especially with the with the video. It's quite like yeah, powerful. Um, but also skeptical. Is not too much on this one, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he doesn't really need to be. There's a there's a lot of interesting production happening here. I'll definitely be checking out the album because he seems like a really interesting 
British voice yeah, in totally. a scene that is... It's the kind of one that you could imagine like getting nominated for Mercury and winning it because of mm, that. You yeah, know? because it's it's so, of its time. I'm suppose. saying that now, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, in, uh, <laughs> place bets. How, how long ago? I don't know, a year? No, you get August. It's about August time, isn't it? Mm. Mercury Prize. Um, but yeah, a really interesting voice. He played in the Workman's here last year. I look forward to seeing him again, for mm. sure. Um, that is Slow Tie featuring Skepta. The song is called Unglorious. Um, it's called Nothing Great About Britain. And that is it for our songs of the week this week and our nearly our podcast in general. Obviously, we've had a big cultural moment this week. We mm-hmm. had, and we're going to start talking about it now. So if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, the ending, please turn away now and put on your mute button or press pause and skip forward or just don't listen to the rest of the episode if you haven't. We won't um, take it personally. Yeah, it's Come great. back when you've watched it. Yeah. Um, see if you want to yell at us. It's been... A strange, like, season of diminishing returns, I felt, for Game of Thrones. And I think that's kind of been a very obvious... Um, the writers have set themselves up for a fall. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they did this. You know, they come to the last season, they have so much story yet to tell, and they go... Well, not even... They decided they're only going to do eight hours more of a season and that would be it Mm -hmm. yes they had so many different plot it's like uh, the show has spent seven seasons six seasons anyway at at a very slow pace building up uh, characters and plots and then all of a sudden you're like racing to the finish Mm -hmm. for what reason i don't know it's not quite clear why was was it too expensive for hbo to finish like i highly doubt it like it's one of the most successful shows of all time surely um Apparently 3.2 million people in the UK watched it at 2 a.m. Yeah. Uh, on Sunday night. So quite a lot of people watched it uh, live uh, as it was broadcast in America. Uh, it is this big cultural thing. It is now over. How did you find the ending? So I think... As and the a, last two weeks, really. Yeah, yeah. So we, we weren't here last week to talk about the, the, the Danny moment. But I think as an ending to this series... This season, it was good. The ending to the series, not so much. You know, yeah. it's not, my my problems with the last episode are my problems with the last season. And I am largely happy with this season. Like I have, you know, problems with the pacing. I have problems with all of that kind of stuff. But I think there comes a point where that stuff is going to ruin it for you unless you just put it aside when you're watching it. And I did, I put it aside when I was watching the finale. I watched the finale like on my own. I've like wanted to watch it on my own so that I could just have my own thoughts about it. I watched it twice yesterday. And the first time I watched it, I was not happy at all. Um, okay. I'll, I'll say why I wasn't happy and then I'll say why I was. Dude, so I, so I wasn't happy with the amount of walking there was <laughs> like it opens with, Tyrion walking and then he arrives somewhere and something happens and then Jon Snow goes walking and then he arrives somewhere and something happens and then he has to walk somewhere else and then Tyrion has to walk somewhere else it's like like when they used to do these long shots of people like walking through corridors they used to mean something whereas this I'm like it is the last episode there is a lot to do here I don't know how how much character development or insight we get from seeing Tyrion walk down to the crypts where Jamie and Cersei were when they could have just opened the episode with him walking into the room like that like that level of like pacing was bizarre to me but 
Um, and then there was, you know, plot things that I wasn't happy about. Um, but they're indicative of the season as a whole. I did love Daenerys's speech. I thought her Valerian went a little bit German and I feel like she was <laughs> intentionally di- so I feel like she was directed to do that because it was like a, it was a Nazi moment. It, it was like it was fascism. You know, she was she was yelling at all these people. I thought visually that scene was absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, Tyrion throwing the, the hand uh, badge down the steps. That was all fantastic. Um, I thought her death was really, really good and I couldn't fault either of them in that scene or uh, any three of them because the the dragon was like stunning did you find that unexpected the dragon uh that he he burnt the throne having a a sudden like fuck this i've had enough of this i i loved it because i've i've always thought that they are I've never really thought of them as animals. I have always thought of them as Daenerys' children. They just don't happen to speak English and they like burning people. Do you know, it's, I, I definitely think that they're not like, like the direwolves. They're, they're a step up from that. They have an understanding of what's going on. And I think the dragon knew that John killed Daenerys. But oh yeah, totally. Like he why, knew, why didn't he burn him? Because he's his cousin and he knew why it wasn't the, it wasn't John that killed Daenerys. It was the throne, you know? Yeah. And I I loved that. I liked well enough how everybody wrapped up. Um, hated the the scene with the council. I thought that was really weird. Why did Bran come in and then leave? Well, you're right. You like you said at the start, you like there's a lot of walking around. They went from Daenerys dying and John killing Daenerys to like a council meeting. Yeah. And no fallout, no reaction from the likes of Grey Worm or anyone passed. like that. Yeah, you're like, why didn't they just use two minutes of that to show some kind of aftermath of yeah. this huge character we've been following since yeah. what, uh, the first episode? And I wish we'd spent Dying. more time down on the ground in the aftermath. Like we we didn't see a, a person from King's Landing in the whole episode. We have no idea what life is going to be like for the people of King's Landing. And after last week when we were introduced to and saw the deaths of so many people. And the the whole point of being on the Iron Throne or being the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms is that you're hopefully the best person to rule over these people. And these people didn't exist in this episode. It was right back to just people behind closed doors in a room laughing about democracy. Like it's, it, it was very, very strange to not in, in a show about kingdoms to show any subjects at the end i found that bizarre absolutely bizarre well i guess it's never really been about those it's always been about the positions of power it wasn't until last week and then we were shown it was shown you the the humanity yeah we we were shown that there there are actually people in this world i don't know i think it was a bit late to be introducing kind of that kind of level of i just wanted to see them walk around down there a bit more and just, so you just wanted more walking Well, <laughs> in a different capacity. More walking where it would have served character and not well, just walking they, down they a set, set of stairs. Like. In a way that, you know, they were hastily trying to, I was comparing it to like, you have the, you're, you're doing an exam and you realize there's like 20 minutes left. Oh so yeah. You're and you're going hastily ham. writing in whatever you can remember mm. to make it Bullet stick. Points. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. making things stick. And that's what it was like. It was mm. like. Just hoping nobody would notice, but obviously mm. the internet is uh, a watchful eye. Yes, uh, uh, always watching and 
Mm. It's so funny. The word foreshadowing. I've never heard it so much mm. in my entire life. It's like foreshadowing, it's like foreshadowing, foreshadowing, fan service and pacing have been the three big words of all criticism to do a Game of Thrones this season. So and funny. like it's not it's not without it's no like but reasons, just the, but the um, ubiquity of all mm. of that chat on social media and stuff mm. like that. You're like, I do think like foreshadowing or YouTube videos. I watched a few of those YouTube yeah. videos where it's like um, people, well, this has been foreshadowed. I was like, yeah, but it hasn't been done convincingly. This I was well, so with the Daenerys thing. Um, I I loved that episode. I think the second last episode is the best of the season. Um, I thought it was just like visually, it's the best thing that they've done. I thought Daenerys's switch was done really well and I found it completely believable and convincing. I, I was fine by it. I wasn't quite there, but I could see that, uh, you know, there have, were elements that mm. were foreshadowed, foreshadowed uh, in advance, yes. but it, it was not convincing enough to be like, um, I just would have, it needed something extra. I think it needed more time. Yeah. It, it needed exactly what it needed. It needed another episode in between. Yeah. Um and actually where that's we see what it the need, that's what the last episode even needed was yeah. like even to give Daenerys some time as a queen would yeah. have been something, you know. To let her sit on the throne for God's sake. Yeah. I know. Everyone's like, oh, that was foreshadowed in her dream and all that stuff. But you're just like I mean, and look, it was, and that's fine. And foreshadowing is a very effective plot device and it's used for a reason. And I I I don't really think that like I've seen a lot of people in the discourse say like, oh, foreshadowing doesn't make good storytelling. Sometimes it does. Like sometimes when... It needs to be more obvious than that. Sure. But but not not with like, it's it's not as if everything in it that was foreshadowed was poorly done. It was, I think, honestly, my only criticism of this season is that like how they thought they could do it in six episodes is beyond me like it is bizarre the end of the last season we had the the night king on his way yeah like that feels like a million years ago but it also feels like 10 minutes ago it's like he he just died and now sansa's queen in the north john's gone beyond the wall Arya's gone off to discover america or whatever like it's so bran sits on the throne how do you feel about that because like the one thing about all that is that they spent one of the points that was made, it was like what I also said on the internet this week was that I love reading about Game of Thrones at, in this season more mm. than I actually enjoyed the episodes mm. itself. I've been loving the memes. <laughs> as soon as the episode finishes, I'm like on the memes. Like. <laughs> I'm just here for the memes. Um, yeah, so like the likes of Bran, who you know is a the three eyed raven stuff, and you're like, well what is the practicality of that as a king how does that translate into his story is the raven the king like, or is it bran that's the king like what like who's the king well he as a person is but then he's like he's been acting so weird and now he's just like yeah cool, and he's come. probably gonna live like, i'm here mate yeah like uh, i found that very odd what? and as well with, with bran it's like i i don't know it, i f- i found the whole Tyrion thing where his his little spiel about like stories are what unites us. I was like, lads, like this is talk about fan service. This is like, you've basically put George or R. Martin on the throne. Like you're like, we need the storyteller because, and then just the song of ice and fire thing as well. I thought was just so poor, but Bram being on the throne. I'm, I, I just don't, 
I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand logistically why John couldn't have sat on the throne. Like, like Ty- Tyrion. Well, he never wanted it. That was the other yeah, thing. Yeah, but Sir Bran so didn't want if, it either. If it, it wasn't John, who else would it be? No one else. And well, it, sh- it shouldn't that, have been Bran. Bran or, or Sansa, but I, it makes but sense for her to be it. in the North. Yeah, yeah. But Bran didn't want it either. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, oh yeah, well, of course. It's like, cause he, can he see the future? Can he, he actually he, see the future? A, he can, yeah. So... Why then he knows what's going to happen? Yeah, he knew he was going to be on the throne at the end, right? Yeah, so, so it was all just a big ploy, it was all a big plot thing in Bran's head. Bran's evil, <laughs> probably. I don't know, well, Th- that, you'll never that's find out because they won't have time to, to figure that out. But um, look, the thing about this season of Game of Thrones even. has been that I have not enjoyed the the spectacle of it I've I've hated going on Twitter. I've like, apart from you know, I'm here for the memes. I've just hated the 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 backlash against it, how kind of vicious it is, the petitions, the kind of the entitlement of the fans. I've found it really difficult to engage with this season in a meaningful way, kind of because that and, you know, that's that's not anyone's fault. Like it's my own fault for going on social media and reading these things. But that's true. But it's well, my day job is also social media, so I can't escape it. But it's it's just the kind of this is the way that we watch television now or this is the way that we we interpret and experience cultural moments now is that you're either for or against and i find that lack of nuance in understanding why we like or don't like this season but i found a lot of nuance in the writing of about the the last even episode and you know the discussion around that i found that much more interesting not on twitter but Mm. elsewhere like yeah, the no, there there, there have been interesting things written about like it, that. but I still feel like those things are written more in response to the fans than in response to the show at times. I'm I'm like, I don't, we, we just kind of have to constantly position ourselves as being a yay or a nay. And there's just been a lack of, I feel like there's been a real lack of enjoyment of what this moment was for us. This is like, one of the biggest, if not the biggest television events in our lifetime. And we just sort of, it just, it just felt like spoiled the most, by it, you know? I don't know if it is. Like if you talk to people about what they thought of it, like most people don't have as visceral reaction as the internet. Oh, did. you haven't been talking to the people I've been talking okay, to. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Actually not haven't good. asked many people really, you know, I think yeah. about it. Um, but you know, it's kind of like, it is what it is and the the scale of it has amplified those yeah. kind of um that and, and disgust it, it, it buckled under had. the weight of of its own you know scale or whatever but and and that's okay like it's i've i've loved a lot of television series that didn't end well um and i'm i'm i like, largely I, like I, said, I really it. didn't have a problem with how they all the where they all the characters ended up no really it was more that that rush to the finish gave you no chance to explain the things that need to be explained. Yeah. And, the and it gave no room for like because, humor. Around yeah. It. And it spent six seasons giving you so much context and, and character development. And then you just like throw that out the window at the mm. end, just to get to the end, to get yeah. to the end point. Like Jamie Lannister hates poor people again, all of a sudden. Yeah. Like what the fuck was that about? Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, I dumped. never cared about them anyways. Like, why the fuck did you go to the north then? Like, yeah, like all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the oh. funny thing was, like, you mean they would have survived if you just stepped a little to the left? Oh yeah, <laughs> stuff yeah. Like that. God, I don't know. Um, but I it's, I, s- I mean, yeah, it's it's over now. I'm ready for the His Dark Materials HBO 
You've uh, already moved series. on. She's already moved on. Um, well, no, I'm still watching Game of Thrones. I'm on season five now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, himself, you, so. you're, you're flying through it. We are flying through it, yeah. Um, like Drogon flying home with Daenerys oh, to wherever she's oh, gone. Drogon. I'm Do you so think there's going to be spin-offs for it? Apparently, I what? heard there's going to be um, prequels. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, but probably I don't know what a safe way to do it. Um, um, I, do you know I might go and read the books, though? I've been listening to the first one as an audiobook. I've heard um, the first one's excellent. Yeah, it's good. I mean, but you know a lot of it, but yeah. like, there's a lot you don't know. But yeah, it's apparently George R. R. Martin says today that um, there's going to be a lot of differences between the books and the and the movies. And well, how, I would imagine how so. the endings. He's like my the last book or his next book is like three thousand pages long. Okay, at the moment, I think he he's he says there's going to be two more. Yeah, um, but I don't know if they're written or, or what the but story. There's a lot is. of characters who were in the books who have been killed off or don't exist and mm. all that kind of stuff in the TV show. And that's fine. There should be a difference between the two things. Because Absolutely, there's no point in just you know. Doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. But look, it was the fact that we've been talking about it on a music podcast every week for the last uh, six weeks is something yeah. as well. Yeah, like know, it, so. it, it has been a, a, amazing. And like, even, even though, you, like, look, I'm, I'm saying that the, the discourse around it has kind of spoiled it for me. It also hasn't because they're like when you when you're in a cultural moment, it's it's hard to step outside of it and look at it for what it is. Um, And we're definitely in that now. We're still in that flurry of well, did you like it or did you not? And it's still a special thing that a, a television show can make people this angry, upset, you know, like that people love and care about it so much that they feel Stories, real. man. It's all it's, about stories. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I just heard myself. <laughs> that's why That's why albums don't have uh, the same level of discussion. Yes. Because yes. we care about stories. Lovely albums. <laughs> All right, yeah, probably, that's probably enough for our Game of Thrones chat. I have been enjoying a lot of, uh, yeah, just those, that, like, I love that discourse about it. I love reading about um, even the, whether it's the plot holes or, like, just people's opinions on it or how it didn't quite work. And, like, not in a really negative way, like mm. a Reddit way, but, like, a, a considered TV critic, you know. Mm. Uh, I like the memes. Yeah down for the memes here for the memes lovely okay well that's it for the, us this week um we'll be back next week not sure what we'll be talking about there's a flying low so i'm out on friday yes we might is. be discussing that um but in the meantime i'm gonna leave you with a song from a, a belfast dream pop trio they are called beauty sleep and they just released their debut album called be kind we have uh, featured beauty sleep a lot on nine or nine the last couple of years um and we're going to finish with a song from them before i do i'd like to just tell you and remind you again we have a patreon page where we offer extra content uh, including a N- Nile, that's me pointing to myself a uh, Patreon uh, kind of radio style show of new music uh, once a month, I'll be recording that in the next few days we're giving away some vinyl stuff and some guest lists and things like that and Spotify playlist most recently made a playlist for uh, one of the members all about um, songs featuring strings in them that aren't classical so that's anyone can ask us to make a playlist for them. So that was, that was the most recent one we made. That is on patreon.com forward slash 909. By supporting that or contributing a fiver a month, you can help support us and 
pay our staff and all that kind of stuff. So I uh, do appreciate it. And if you are enjoying the podcast, um, I, I'll, I'll ask you to just tell your friends. That's I think that's tell the best way. Yes. The best thing anyone could do for a podcast is just let somebody else know that you're enjoying it. Yeah. And uh, shout out to everybody I've met and It Takes Village who said nice things about the podcast. Oh, thank you. As well. So that was great. Thank you very much. Um, as I said, we'll be back next week. Andrea, thank you very much. Thank you this very much. This is our last track for this week. Uh, this is uh, Beauty Sleep with Be Kind. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.